So today's topic is actually the disciples and the testing of their hearts. And this is, a, I guess, a topic that in some ways, you know what, sometimes we do not reflect on it much. We hear the stories, but we don't put two and two together and can see maybe the bigger picture of what God is doing in us. So having said so, how many of us consider ourselves disciples of Jesus, right? I think all of us in some way, right? But we have to go beyond that, and we actually have to make a commitment to finish or to go through that process that God has for our lives. And I say this because when you enroll in school, you're making a commitment not only by paying the tuition, but also by going through those one, two, three years, five years of school, whatever you may live, until you get that diploma, right? So the same thing happens with God. When we decide to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, we are making a commitment with the Lord that we are willing and accepting his guidance, his leadership, his knowledge, his teachings, his word, absolutely everything, so that if we can be transformed to become like Jesus Christ. How many of we become like Jesus? You want to become like Jesus? I think all of us, right? I mean, that is the ultimate goal. That's what he wants to do. He wants to, to form and to shape us so that we can have his character, right? Be Christ-like. Unfortunately, all of us, you know, sometimes it's hard for us to understand this, and we only see things in the natural, and we do not perceive things in the spiritual realm. So therefore, many times we abort the processes. We jump the guns, or we simply get ahead of ourselves, or we jump ships, or we simply, you know, stop the process because we don't like it, or we simply, we are refusing it. And this is the part that we all struggle with. Why? Because the process sometimes is painful. The process sometimes is uncomfortable. The process comes at a price. The process comes in us letting go of what we want so that we can pursue what He wants for our lives. And sometimes we're not willing to do that because we think somehow that we know better or that we know what is best for us and that we are not taking into consideration that God actually knows what is best for us and that His will is actually perfect and is good, right? So if he's asking for us to do something or to go through a process, or maybe he creates circumstances in our lives to shape us, to mold us, to, to transform our lives, we have to accept that knowing that God is in control and that he knows why he's asking you to walk in a very specific path or why he's asking you to be transformed or shaped through a very specific process. But this is what we have to understand so that we can accept that process. Let me tell you, you know what, the disciples went through this process. As you begin to see the disciples, Jesus began to pray. And God showed him exactly who those 12 disciples were. He prayed all night. And God revealed him. So he goes around and he begins to invite people to follow him. He says, come and follow me. And we know the story. Many of them, you know what, they did not follow. But those 12, the very first 12, you know what, they said, yes, Lord, we'll go. So I want to read some of these scriptures for you. This is in, um, actually, you know what, don't, don't, don't have to put it. I want to read it for you. This is the cost of discipleship. We all know this, okay? I believe this is a book of um, John, if I'm not mistaken. I forgot to write this down here. Okay, here we go. It says, now it happened that as they journeyed on the road, that some said to him, this is Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. How many of us said that to Jesus? Lord, I will do whatever you tell me to do. Huh? Have you done that? Have done <laughs> Lord, I'll go to the ends of the earth for you. Lord, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. Right? 
Well, this is what this guy is saying here. It says, And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So the first thing he tells him, look, make sure you understand this. If you're going to come follow me, don't expect any monetary reward. Don't expect me to make you rich. Don't expect me to give you in some way some sort of a, uh, you know, a physical, uh, you know, I guess, payment for you coming following me. That's why he's saying, look, I got nothing. I got nowhere to put my head. But if you can see and believe what I'm saying to you, that my father is the one who sent me, I come as a king and I represent this kingdom. Come and follow me and I will reward you beyond what you could have ever imagined. And this is the part that we struggle with because we tend to think, you know, wait a minute, we're living in the now. Where are my blessings now? Where are my promises now? Where is my bank account now? Where is my house now? You know, and we demand from God, not realizing that, you know what? All of that will simply come if we do the first part, which is to follow Him and to seek this kingdom, and then everything else will come. But we want the reward now without the process. If you keep going, it says like this. Then he said to another, to another, says, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and you know, bid them uh, farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to them, no one having put his hand on the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So this is something that is very, very uh, strong in some ways or very challenging or confronting to all of us. That if we have decided to follow Jesus, he's telling us, make sure that if you're going to put your hand on that plow, make sure you don't look back. Make sure you're not going to have second thoughts about me. Make sure you're not going to be doubting that I am the one who, that, who you believe I am. Make sure that whatever happens, you're not going to you know, bail out on me and walk away from me. That's what he's saying here. So in other words, he's making these guys that are saying, Lord, I will follow you. He's making them think twice about making that choice or that decision. Right? So it is important for us to understand this that if we're going to go with Christ, we have to go all the way. We can't go halfway. We can't just tip, you know, dip our tippy toes in, in the water and just expect you know, all the blessings to come. No, we have to dive into that water. We have to seek Him with all of our hearts. And we have to be willing to pay that price, even if it means to say, you know what? I have things to do, but you know what? Right now, God wants me to focus on this. So I will do what He wants me to do. Luke 14, 26 to 35 says like this. Again, something similar. It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost? Whether he has enough to finish it, let the other, he's, you know, let the other uh, he has laid uh, the foundation and is not able to finish all who see it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able to, to, to you know, with 10,000 men, 
take on those against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. And these are hard things to do. These are hard things to understand. Because when the moment comes and the Lord says, I want more of your time, that's when we say, no, thank you, Lord. When the moment says, God, I want more of your family, we say, no, thank you, Lord God. When the Lord says, I want more of your dreams, give me your dreams, we say, no, thank you, God. When the moment says, God, I want more of your life, we say, Lord, no, thank you. Because it's my life. I'll do what I want. I'll do what I want. I'll do what my heart desires. And this is the challenge that we have as Christians. That we don't understand that who we gave our lives to to begin with. Did you know that Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Did you know that? Do you know that He is not just your Savior, but He is your Master? Do you know that He is your boss, if you want to call it that way? Right? And that you're accountable to Him, yeah? Do you know that, you know what, that He's asking you to drop everything and follow Him? Do you know that? So if we know that He's the King of Kings, why is it so hard to serve the King of Kings? Why is it that maybe we might get an invitation to go work at, a, you know, at, the, uh, at the government? And we say, sure, I'll go work at the government. No problem. We'll make whatever it takes. We'll, we'll work for the government and we'll, we'll get a nice pay and a nice pension and uh, who knows what benefits. But when it comes to the King of Kings dividing us, we say, Ah, Lord, I'm too busy. Uh, I got things to do. I just bought a house, Lord. I just, I just, I just got started a new business. I just, I just started all these things and... You know what, I'm, 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 you know, just invite someone else, God. And that's when the real question is, that we maybe got ahead of ourselves that we spoke too fast, or is God simply testing our hearts to see if we're truly, truly in this because we love Him, if we're truly, truly in this because we truly believe who, we, who He says He is, if we truly, truly believe that everything that is written in the Word of God will come to pass, and this is the testing that comes to all of us. Because the devil wants you to stop. The devil doesn't want you to proceed. The devil doesn't want you to continue in this path. Because once you start in this path, what will happen is that you will know the truth. And all the tricks, all the lies, all the sin, all the things that are in your life holding you back, working against you, all of it will begin to be removed slowly one by one as the truth comes to you and Jesus begins to transform your life as you are obedient. That's the key word here, obedience. Many people go through the process, but they do it their way. They don't want to do it God's way. And look what happened to Jesus. Along he goes, he begins to disciple people, he begins to invite others to come, and he's able to gather more than the 12. And I want to read this passage now. John 6, 55, 70, it says like this. For my flesh is food indeed, and my, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As living Father sent me, I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will, become, will be alive in me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers eat the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. 
Now, we understand this now. But at that time, when he was first saying this to his disciples, you know what happened? Many began to turn away from him. They deserted him. They left Jesus alone. And look what happens here. It says, therefore, many of the disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. How can you understand this? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then it should you know, see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But they are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were and who did not believe. And who would betray him. And he said, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. So the first thing we have to understand is that Jesus is inviting us. But no one can come to him unless the Father draws us to Jesus. So he said, look, these are things of the Spirit. I'm not talking about my flesh. I'm not talking that you got to eat my, and drink my blood. I'm saying these are spiritual things I'm referring to. But you seem to think or do not want to understand or cannot understand what I'm saying. Look at this. It says, from that time, many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? Can you imagine how many people start this walk and how many leave halfway through? Can you imagine how many start this process and say to Jesus, Jesus, this is too hard. This is too painful. I can't do this. And he tells them, look, if you want to go away, go away. I'm not going to stop you from going away. I'm not going to prevent you from turning around. I'm not going to beg you to come and follow me. I'm telling you the truth. The Father sent me, and I speak on behalf of the Father. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is the devil? So, you have to understand that Jesus was testing the hearts of his disciples. He said, look, if you believe that I am who I am, then you will follow me. But you don't have to. In fact, I don't want you to follow me if you're not going to believe what I'm telling you. You have to submit to me. You have to listen to what I'm saying. You have to believe what I'm saying to you. But many didn't believe. They walked away. They left Jesus alone with the 12 that he had chosen. And even that, knowing that, he already knew who was going to do what, who was going to falter, who was going to betray him, and he still kept them around. Why? So the word of God could be fulfilled and we could actually learn and understand and discern all of this. So Jesus had to test the hearts of everyone. He had to put a line and everyone had to pick what side they were on. Are we with Jesus or are we against him? Do we believe or we not believe? Are we in it fully or we're not fully in it? James and John were tested. Their hearts came out. And we know the story and I want to read it. This is Mark 10, verse 35. 
And so like this, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us, what, you know, we want you to do for us whatever you, we ask. What do you want me to do? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other one at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can, I, can you drink this cup? I drink to be baptized with the baptism and I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink this cup. I drink and be baptized with the same baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When, but when they, the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Because Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give life as a ransom for... To give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. So what happened here? All of a sudden... The disciples realize, you know what? We're dealing here with the king of kings. He's talking about a kingdom. He's talking about rewards. He's talking about blessings. He's talking about all these things. And these two guys thought, you know what? Let's get ahead of the game. And let's ask Jesus for a favor. Hey, Jesus, can we sit at your left and your right hand? Can we sit right there with you? And the others, in some ways, became indignant. Or in some ways, maybe they got angry at them. And said, How could they ask for this? Or maybe it was them also thinking the same thing. The two guys were smart enough to ask Jesus first. Right? You never know, right? That's why they got upset in the first place. But Jesus tested their hearts. And they proved that their hearts was all about what? A position, a place, power, glory. They wanted to be seen by everybody. That's what they were concerned about. It wasn't anything else but that. And let me tell you that many times God allows things to happen to see where our hearts are at. Are we in it to obey Him? Or are we in it for the glory? Hmm? And then we have another one. We have Peter. We all know with Peter, but I want to read a little bit of this. This is Luke 22, verse uh, 31. It says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed... Satan has asked for you. Hello? Hello? Is Corey there? Who is it? Satan. <gasps> That's what's happening here. Hey, is Peter there? <laughs> Jesus, come on, give me Peter. I want to shake him up a little bit. I want to show him who's the boss here. But look what Jesus says. It says that he may, so, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you and, you know, as, as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Amen. Let me tell you, I'm asking for the Lord to strengthen all of you guys. Because everybody's being shaken. We're all being shaken right now. Our hearts are being tested. From being put in circumstances that are difficult to deal with. Decisions that are hard to be made. 
But in the midst of all that, God is always testing your heart. He's saying, are you in this for the long term? Are you in this to finish your race? Or are you in this just because you want something from me? If we keep going, it says, but he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. And we all know the story. The day of the crucifixion or the day they grabbed Jesus, all the disciples were scattered. All of them, all the followers. When the troubles came, they left them alone. Nobody was left. Everyone was looking out for their own skins, interests, what they thought what was best for them. And what about these words? What about Peter saying, you know what? I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to do that. And yet these empty promises, words, fell to the ground. And Jesus proved them that he was wrong. That he was the first one to deny Jesus three times. Philip. We know Philip, disciple. Again, one of the twelve. But Philip had much unbelief in his heart. Even after walking with Jesus. Even after seeing all the miracles that Jesus had done. Philip was a doubtful man. Unbelieving man. He had to see to believe. A word was not enough. If you go to John 14, it's like this. Let, me not, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if you go prepare a place, you know, um, to myself, it says, that where I am, there you may also. And that I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me, to the Father, no comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Obviously, Jesus is saying, look, if you know me, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Look at the next verse. Says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, I have been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us a father? Do you not believe that I am in the father? The father is in me. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the father who dwells in me, who does the works, believe me that I am with the father and the father is in me. Or else, believe me for the sake of the works themselves. In other words, if you don't believe me, believe the miracles. But you got to believe that what I'm telling you is true. That if you're looking for the father, you have found them because... I am in the Father and the Father is in me. You know how many times we, we ask that question to God? God, just, just, just give me a sign. Or God, just tell me this or tell me that. Or It's hard for us to believe. There's much unbelief in our hearts. Unfortunately, we will only believe when we see. If I see it, then I believe it. And that's exactly what happened to him. John 29, similar things. Jesus appears to them after he had passed away. And it says, Then the same day at the evening, being the first day of the week, it says, When the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, 
says, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. He says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And that is the moment that for the first time, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in human beings. Right there. When he released, when he breathed on them. It says, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of many, they are retained. And I want to make a little parenthesis here. You know, this scripture many times gets misinterpreted. We do not have the power to forgive sins. I cannot tell you, Laura, Laura, I forgive your sins. Your sins are forgiven. Walk away. You know what? And Laura goes back to her life because she hasn't repented. I can intercede to God. Say, God, please don't look at her sins. Please forgive her sins. I can be an intermediate, an intercessor, and cry out for them. But let's say Laura comes to the Lord and repents. Now I have authority to say, your sins are forgiven because you have repented. And God has forgiven you. I can make that declaration of her life. But I cannot repent on her behalf and have God forgive her sins when she doesn't want to even repent. Right? Makes sense, right? Sorry, Lord, I'm not putting that in your... Okay? So Jesus said to them, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Sorry, my my mistake. Uh, 34. Now Thomas called the twin. It says... One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands and print of the nails and put my fingers into the print of the nails and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them and Jesus came to them, the door being shut. And stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to the Thomas, Reach your finger here and look in my hands and reach your hands here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said, My Lord, oh my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. God was testing his heart. And God allowed all these situations to come so that they could see what was in their own hearts. God allows these circumstances to happen to us so that based on how we react, based on what we say, based on what comes out of our hearts, we can realize that, you know what, we still have some work to be done in us. God has still to do much work in all of us. Right? I still need a lot of work. But I made a choice. And that choice was to submit myself completely to my teacher, my master, my God, my king. And become not only a servant, a disciple, a slave of Jesus Christ. And I know this word sounds bad, a slave. When you think of yourself as a slave of Jesus, but then you will forget who our master is. Our master is a righteous God. 
is a good God, is a kind God. Would you be rather be a slave of Satan and drag you through the mud and hit you and abuse you and take away all the, the things that God has given you? Or would you rather be a slave of Jesus Christ who will take care of you, uplift you, give you life, and give you freedom? The choice is clear. We have an opportunity here. All of this pandemic thing has brought a great opportunity for us to define our lives. In fact, he's saying, I want you, I want all of you to make up your minds. Are you with me or are you not? Are you followers and disciples of Jesus Christ? Or we're simply those that believe and go around looking and say, wow, 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 amazing. Or we're not willing to pay the price. Our hearts are being tested. How you respond through all this pandemic is a test for us as a church, for us as individuals, as husbands, as wives, as children, as disciples that we are. All of this is a test. Many have deserted Jesus. Said, no, this is too hard. I can't do it this way. Many are put in their conditions. I only do it if you do it this way. I only do it if you do it that way. But many are simply obeying. And he wants you to obey. No matter what the request may be. No matter how hard the process may be. No matter how difficult the road may seem. Many are being invited to sit at the table with Jesus. And they're saying, God, I can't. I have things to do. I have other businesses to take care of. I have to do this. I have to do that. Go here. Come over there. He's testing your heart. Why will God test your heart? Why would he want to test you? Have you ever asked yourself, why has God tested me? Is he doing me on purpose? Is, is he testing me so that I can fail? No, he's testing you so that you can see that with your own strength, with your own, you know, logic, with your own understanding, that all of that will fail you. That your way of thinking is not his ways. He wants you to see that he is almighty, all powerful, and all strong. And that he can do all things. And he knows the future. He knows what's best for you. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows whether or not we will fail him tomorrow or not. He's testing you because he wants you to see that we're all weak. That we need him. We must grab onto him. And that when we grab onto him, we find the strength, we find the power, we find the wisdom, we find the know how, we find every answer to every problem that we've ever had, and we come to experience a God that is what? Mighty, powerful, miraculously, a God that can do all things. 
he says in your heart he says in my heart you faithful to the calling or have you traded your calling for something else are you willing to submit and respect the line of authority or are you just doing your own thing And when I say that, I'm not saying that you have to do what I tell you to do. No, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to tell you what the Bible says. It's up to you whether you want to do it or not. It's up to you whether you want to follow Jesus or not. It's up to you if you want to answer the call that he's saying, come to me, come to me. For many are called, but few are chosen. What does it mean to be chosen by God? That means that he made a choice out of many people and he called, I want this person, that person, I want this person. And yet many people saw the disciples and he said, wait, just tax collectors, what are you doing, Jesus? Tax collectors? Fishermen? What kind of a crew does Jesus have here? He said, no, these are the men that God the Father revealed to me that I must choose them, I must choose them, that they must walk with me because they will be faithful. Regardless of their flaws, regardless of the things that were in their hearts, they were able to overcome them, they were able to understand them. And then you see a Peter rise up with power, with boldness, You see John going out and doing the things that they did. You see Paul going through all East Asia and all over the place. You see the disciples willing to die for this Jesus. Willing to give it all for this Jesus. Willing to surrender all this Jesus that I taught them that they had seen that I walked with that was living inside of them now so the question I ask you today is are you willing to commit to him Are you willing to let him transform you, change you, regardless of the cost and the price? Are you willing to pursue the price, regardless of how many times you may fall, regardless of how many times you may fail, regardless of how many times people may tell you it cannot be done? What is what drives you? What is your motivation in life? What is it that you're chasing? Better life? Comfort? Your dreams? Are you chasing Jesus? The time will come that we will have to make a choice. And to completely surrender, like Nick was saying, The people in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, 
in the desert, they had to completely surrender to God. Because there was no other way for them to survive the desert. They had no food, nothing, unless God would give it to them. Surrender. Surrender to Him. And He will pick you up. He will lift you up. He will strengthen you up. And you will see the glory of the Lord manifest in your life and how He will sustain you through all the days that we're seeing because you made a choice. And that is to follow Jesus and to obey Him no matter what the conditions may be like. Are you ready to do that? Yeah? Are you ready to follow Jesus? Close your eyes. I know these messages may seem like, oh, here we go again. The moment will come where those that have been called will rise up. And they, they shall be used in ways that we've never imagined. God is raising up people and voices all over the world. We have those that will lead. Lead in the path that God has set for them to walk in. And those that will simply follow. And do whatever they want to do. Take it easy. Take it slow. The easy breezy Christians as Jim Durkin calls them. But we have those real disciples. That know that this is not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It comes at a cost. But understand that the reward is not what we can get now. But it's to be with Jesus. And to obtain Him. And to know Him. And to have Him. Because when we have Him. We will have everything. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much, Lord God, for this day. I thank you, Lord God, because, Lord, you're calling your people, Lord God, to an even deeper commitment in your life. I thank you, God, because, Lord, you're patient with us. That many times, Lord God, we fail. Many times we answer the wrong way. The wrong answers. Many times, Lord God, we deviate from the path. But you always with kindness and love. You remind us and you bring us back to a center point, God. To see things the way that you see them. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may strengthen all of us. That you may put more and more of you in each and every one of us. That our minds may be saturated with your word, Lord God. That our spirits may be filled with you, God. That all we can think is to live for you, to glorify you, to do your will, to please you. But we have to be taught. 
we have to go through that process. So, Lord, help us. Test our hearts that we may be found approved. Do not let us deceive ourselves just because we're doing things for you that we have been found approved. Because works is not what pleases you, but rather obedience. So in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, we praise you. Father, I want to pray today that you may release, release that clarity. Father, I remove the confusion. I remove the doubt, the unbelief. I remove, Lord God, even the carnal mind from our minds, Lord God, that wants to be emotional in all this. Because this is not where emotions must take us. This is where the Spirit must lead us. Holy Spirit, lead this church. Lead every one of us. Lead our families into that place that you've set aside for us. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give glory to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God.